Okay. Oh my goodness. Okay. Okay. Focus. Hey. Hello. Thank you for making Lockdown Spartans your first listen every single day here in the Lockdown Podcast Network, free and available where you get your podcast. Oh my God. What was that? What did we just watch? Okay. Michigan State wins. Yay. Michigan State barely won. Oh no. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. Let's go. You are Locked On Spartans. Your daily podcast on the Michigan State Spartans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Locked On Spartans, your team every, every single day, every single, every single day here in the Locked On Podcast Network, um, wow, wow, um, Michigan State, 76. Uh, Maryland, 72. Uh, yeah. We're going to talk about that game for a little bit. I have no idea what I'm going to say, quite frankly. But uh, just like you, I've got a lot of thoughts. Uh, now, in what order they're going to come out in? Hey, who's to say? Uh, stay tuned. Because, well, yeah, we're going to have to get into that game. As Hey, Michigan State opens up their Big Ten tournament with uh, a four-point win against all odds. But... First, uh, before we get to any of that, just need to ask you politely to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Yes, this is the Locked On Spartans podcast. We do this five days a week here in the Locked On Podcast Network. So this is the final episode for the week. But, of course, big weekend coming up. We got, you know, Wisconsin tomorrow. We'll break down that game a little bit. And then Selection Sunday coming up on the horizon as well. We will get into that as well. But first... Yeah, we need to talk about that game, um, and I, by the second, by the millisecond, keep bouncing back and forth between thrilled uh, about a win, because, listen, hey, I think it really uh, benefits the team to prove to themselves that they can win close games in sticky situations. Now, on the other end of that coin, no, I'm not just that delusionally stupid where I'm just all, you know, sunshine and rainbows about this game. We got to talk about how you got into that situation in the first place after you were up by 20 points. Yes, 20 points with 13 minutes to go. Or, hey, if you want to go later in the game, uh, you're up 6 points with a buck 51 left on the clock. Or if you want to go even later than that, you're up 4 points with 24 seconds left with the ball in your hands. Uh-oh! Until you fumbled away yet another turnover in the second half against the press. Now, okay, listen. I, I think the fan base is kind of divided here. A lot of people are upset with how that game ended despite the win. And yes, of course, we cannot neglect the fact that Michigan State did win this game. Okay, but for the second time in a row, they had to win a game where they just shot up to a massive lead against a not-so-good Maryland team and saw that dwindle back down. But then again, yes, at the end of the day, a win is a win. However, before we talked about before we talk about what we liked to see from that game, there's some stuff that we got to talk about that's kind of alarming, actually. And look, first and foremost, um, just like Izzo said after the game, He's going to shoulder a lot of the blame on that. Maryland got, what, more than 24 points off of turnovers. The last 10 minutes of the game, they were just running the press, and they were turning Michigan State over at will. Down the last two minutes, Michigan State couldn't even contain the ball for more than five seconds. And then after the game, Izzo says, you know what, a lot of that is my fault. Because he did have two timeouts that he refused to call until it was almost, almost too late. And listen, these quotes are fine and well. 
like the whole post game quotes where, yeah, no, that's on me. Like, and it's been happening all season. Like, yeah, I should have played this guy more. Oh, yeah, I take a lot of the blame for that. Or, you know, just letting your guys figure out major issues on the court in real time. I get that Izzo likes to do that late December, January, sometimes bleeding into February. Like, hey, the kids got to learn eventually. We're going to let them solve this all themselves. I want to see this team a little bit player coached. Do you know a really good time of the season to not do any of that? How about March? How about when March Madness begins? Tom, your team is dying out there. You have Marcus Bingham dribbling the ball beyond half court for more than three dribbles, thinking that he's all of a sudden John Stockton out of nowhere, turning the ball over. Gee, who could have saw that coming? Other than everyone, but except, well, Tom Ezzo, who kept his two timeouts in his pocket. Okay, uh, we're just going to throw an 85-foot pass to Malik Hall. Surely this is the way you break a press right here, and oh... Okay, you know what, sure, you could blame Malik a little bit for not grabbing the ball and calling a timeout in a split second like that. Or you could just easily realize that your team is struggling so mightily, so mightily, to inbound the ball off the baseline against a press that, hey, guess what? Those timeouts do not roll over. You do not start the Wisconsin game with bonus timeouts. You will not start your game in March Madness as a eight seed with two more timeouts than the other team. Burn. The time. Out, Tom. Like, I, I I get it. And of course, I gotta say this whenever I criticize Tom, is that he has more basketball knowledge in his pinky finger than I do in my whole body, but... Wow, I think I have some common sense, too. And you have a display like that where you're refusing to call timeouts and just letting your team and their 20-point lead die that quickly? That out of control? That's alarming. And that's really alarming. And... Listen, I, I don't want to go all the way there, but like it, it showed shades of, listen, I, there's been the fans that have had the whispers of, oh, this looks like the late D'Antonio era and yada, yada, yada. Do, do you know what D'Antonio late era parallel that really showed? As I remember back, I'm jumping sports here, apologize if you're only a hoops head, but the home game against Arizona State where the last few minutes were just completely botched and Mark looks a little bit lost out there, like he doesn't really have a grasp of what's going on. Tell me that wasn't a little worrisome tonight. Tell me that wasn't a little worrisome tonight, is that you have two timeouts that you're just sitting on like an egg for what reason as you're watching Maryland now have a wide-open three-pointer off a push-off, I may add. A wide-open three-pointer to have a lead with 10 seconds left. Yes, I understand. The, the, The players, sure, are maybe partly to blame. Like, whoever's inbounding the ball... Yeah, maybe you use one of the two timeouts. Or, hey, Marcus should know a little better than to try to dribble across into enemy territory like he's a point guard. Uh, But you're also the adult in the room here. And sometimes, especially in March, we need that. We just saw Xavier blow a game in horrendous fashion. Now, I know only maybe 16 of you actually watched that game, Xavier versus Butler, but it was the same circumstance. Just a coach just looking lost in the sidelines. Just, please don't blow this, guys. Come on. Yeah, I would love to do something, even though I can. I'm still not. I'm just going to hang out here in the sidelines. and Yeah, but just aggravating. But also at the same time, a, a, a win is a win. You know, and you got up to that 20-point lead for a good reason, and you showed a lot of good signs in that game for the first 27 minutes of it. And I don't think we can necessarily neglect that completely. But, man, you know what? If the players are starting to peak as March Madness comes along, 
if the players are starting to peak like we've been hoping they would all season, do you know who else needs to pull their end of the rope too? The coaching staff. The coaching staff. I get, Again, I'll, I'll reiterate it one more time just because I'm going to beat this into the ground. I get that you want to have life lesson time in the middle of the season or you want your team to go through the adversity on the court and the trials and tribulations of fighting through some tough times on the court. Save that for January. This is March. This season's been hell for long enough. You finally have a team that's playing to their best ability. Help them out. Help them out. Don't let them die against the same team that, oh, what was that? Just four days prior, they saw the same exact thing almost happen to them on their home court. Smell practice. Just really, really, uh, you know what? Like, I'll, I'll use the A word, uh, alarming. Because who's to say this will change in March Madness? And yeah, maybe this does be a reason that this team's ushered out in the first round and doesn't even get that chance to have a miracle game against the number one seed or number two seed, whoever they're going to be paired up with in March Madness. But man, again, I know that was a really cathartic uh, and, and ranty first segment there. Um, I don't apologize for it because I feel like a lot of you have the same sentiment as well for a good reason. Okay, enough with the whole coaching errors and then oh just thinking that you could just go into press conference and being like oh yeah that's on me and everything's okay no that gets old after like the eighth time of the season that's just me though but hey with that said with that said we're gonna bring the sunshine in the second segment because like i've said a few times a win is a win they did win this game doesn't feel like it doesn't really feel like it at all actually but they did win this game and best of all they showed some nice signs of what they can bring out more in this Big Ten tournament, perhaps, or into March Madness. And at this point of the season, that's the name of the game, just to see something, just to see a glimmer of hope as we move further, well, into the madness. And boy, did this game put the M-A-D in March Madness, baby. But before we get to that, I have to talk to you beautiful people about Built Bar. That's right, gang. It's March Madness, and uh, yeah, if we're going to be sweating like that the entire season, burning that many calories just watching a team from our couch or from a bar or wherever, we could use all the nutrition and benefits that Built Bar provides us. Like, for example, most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 whopping grams of protein. Now, not only that, not only are they great on the body, but they are amazing on the taste buds. Now, it says right here in this ad read to say that uh, it tastes as good as a candy bar. But I'm an honest person, and I shoot you guys straight. It tastes better than a candy bar. These flavors are out of control, especially the Built Puffs. Yes, the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. Fluffy, marshmallowy. Get the flavors like cinnamony churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. They slap. Or if you just like the classic flavors like mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, cookies and cream, go off and find your own Built Bar that you love. I guarantee that you will find one that you just adore. And also, save some money too when you go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. One more time, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Alright, before we get to the sunnier side of that game, just want to thank you again for making Lockdown Spartans your first listen every single day here in the Lockdown Podcast Network. Now make sure you also check out Locked On Bracket Breakdown on March 14th right here in the Locked On Spartans Podcast feed and YouTube channel. College basketball experts Chris Gordy, Andy Patton, and betting expert Lee Sterling give you in-depth breakdowns on every matchup. Okay, I'll say it again because I need to convince myself of this. Michigan State won that game. Okay, Michigan State won that game. Now, 
a one-off win is is all fun and well. Uh, Michigan State is now in the quarterfinals of the Big Ten tournament. That's great too. What's more important, though, is something that we were talking about on yesterday's show, and that is the prompt that I had on Twitter of what do you have to see from Michigan State, this Big Ten tournament, to believe that they will have a run in March Madness. And so far, so good. Now, the majority of folks, and I agreed with the majority here, is that you wanted to see, or rather had to see, uh, this Michigan State team win their first two games and then be competitive in the third. Okay, so you're one down there. And then a lot of other folks had some comments on some players that needed to step up and what they wanted to see from this team as well. Now, as far as that goes, um, you know, just like the the defensive lockdown, uh, just effort on the boards, which I think that was certainly there. Michigan State out-rebounded Maryland 40-30. to uh, They did look like a team that was playing uh, tough on defense, no doubt about that, and really a, a team that played with the energy that you want to see in March. And with this squad that can be easier said than done uh, at times. No doubt about that. Now, as far as individual players go, I think every player got nominated for being said of like, yeah, they have to have a strong Big Ten tournament for me to think that they'll have a good March Madness run as a team. Now, the first player I want to start off with is Marcus Bingham. And I want to start with him just because, you know, I talked about his turnover that he had late in the game. That, that was just one blemish he had. I think he had a very good game other than that. Five rebounds, nine points. Not the flashiest stats, but you do that in 14 minutes? Okay, that plays. That's solid. He looked pretty good out there. Four of seven from the field, and, man, he had that little stretch there in the second half where I, I got out of my seat, and I was like, oh, my God, he, yeah, he looks like a senior that's got some urgency, baby. Let's go, and he just looked fluid out there. And also, too, with his uh, his running mate, Julius Marble, as well. Just 12 minutes, but 8 points. 3 of 5 from the field. Like, that was pretty solid on Julius's part. Yes, two, two turnovers, fine, but I think, um, and maybe I'm giving too much of a free pass here, but I'm not going to harp on the turnovers too much just because of how out of control the end of the game was there and how much, well, maybe the coaching staff didn't help them at the end of the game. Uh, but, yeah, I thought Julius Marble played outstanding too. So you got your big men. Working pretty well. Mati Sissoko, okay, he had his moments, for better or for worse. But more importantly, we got to talk about the man of the game here. And this is a guy that, quite frankly, hand up. I, I, I kind of gave up on counting for any production from him the rest of the season. And uh, he looked right in the camera, gave me a big old metaphorical middle finger, and said, mm-mm, mm-mm, I'm still here. And that's Max Christie. Max Christie with a team-high 33 minutes. Tied Gabe Brown for 33 minutes. 16 points, 4 of 6 from the field, and this is what I love to see the most. 3 of 3 from behind the arc. Baby, let's go. It has been a minute since we've seen him hit 3 three-pointers in a single game. Would anyone like to guess how long it's been since we've seen him hit 3 three-pointers in a single game? January 29th against Michigan. And don't you worry, we will be getting to Michigan in a little bit because I would like to fly around the rest of the Big Ten tournament to end this segment. But for now, let's stay on topic here. If we can get Max Christie, now of course, you can't count on the kid for 3 for 3 from the eye in the arc every single game. 16 points every single game. But that was a 3-point shot that was faltering, to say the least, in the last few weeks. He got four days to rest his legs. Now, is that, you know, is it the fix-all to everything? No. 
It's not. He can come out tonight against Wisconsin and then lay up one of seven or one of eight or something like that. But still, I think that it was a very important game for the young kid right here to get some confidence back. It looked like his legs were functional again. Like the, the, the three-point shot itself just looked a lot more smooth. So definitely excited from what we saw there. And let's not forget this. I'm not done talking about Max just yet. He had some man-sized rebounds at the end of that game. Tied a team-high six rebounds, and he had two in the final 40 seconds that were just crucial. Crucial. And no, they weren't just balls that just, you know, jolted off the rim straight to him. Like, no, no, no. Those were go-up-and-get-it-big-fella rebounds that he had. And for a guard to do that, cannot say enough about Max Christie and his performance tonight. No doubt about it. Uh, you know what, fellow freshman too, just want to shout out Jaden Akins. And this is something that we talked about not too long ago uh, with uh, Graham Nelson, is that Jaden Akins knows his role. And he's very smart about when he knows when he should be a guy that's getting active on offense and shooting the ball, driving the ball through the lane, not passing it, and then taking a step back and just kind of being a facilitator, kind of being a cog in the machine. So Jaden Akins, just six points on 15 minutes, but man, Cerebral kid, no turnovers, and hey, used uh, four of his fouls right there. You know how much I love fouls getting used up. And last but not least, point guards played fine. Uh, Tyson Walker, nine points. A.J. Hogard, four points. Uh, Hogard with six assists, no turnover. I'm sorry, one turnover, just one turnover, excuse me. And yeah, with that said, Fats Russell, Eric Ayala, they got theirs. However, however, just because Fats Russell had 20 points... Doesn't mean that we can neglect that he went 6 of 15 shooting from the field. Just because Eric Ayala had 17 points, doesn't mean that he didn't take 17 shots to get there. So yeah, good defense from those guys as well. Just have to shout that out. So yes, a lot of good things that we saw in this game. Now, if you've been watching Michigan State this season, you know that just because it happens one game, doesn't mean everything's fixed. You know that as much as I do, and I know that as much as you do. So uh, with that said... If we start to see these things again tonight against a good Wisconsin team, hmm, yeah, I might be getting a little excited here. And we will be talking about this Wisconsin team in the next segment here. We want to talk about the Wisconsin game and then a little bit about Selection Sunday in the next segment. But right now, let's just take a fly around the Big Ten. Um, early game went well. I didn't catch the end of it. I saw Michigan was up 17 points with the minute 11 minutes left. But oh, my, oh wait, that's right. They lost, and I just, you know what, I just find some things funny. I just think things are funny sometimes. Like, uh, you know, isn't it kind of ironic that after you know, years of you know, Michigan fans crying that Tom Izzo was overrated, and yeah, I know this is maybe not the right night to do this after he uh, almost just faltered that game himself, but hey, you know what, a win's a win, and at least one coach in this state can get wins when the going gets a little tough there in the last few minutes of the game. But yeah, it's just years after... You know, fans crying that Izzo's overrated. Uh, you get Michigan going into the season as the number six team in the country with, uh, you know, a senior point guard. Uh, Hunter Dickinson making his big show that he's returning, uh, you know, spurning the NBA. Only to go 17 and 14 now. Um, okay, interesting that, you know, after cries of begging and pleading last year that, no, the, the first four actually isn't part of the tournament. Your streak is over, Sparty. No, it doesn't count. Like... Okay, well, those people are now going to be spending their Sundays uh, begging and pleading to be placed in that first four, which is 
Yeah, it is still part of the tournament, and it's just funny, too. I just, I think things are funny. Like, one thing's funny is that, you know, after cries of saying that, oh, Izzo can't develop a five-star, he's not good with top-end talent. That's weird. It looks like Michigan had the number three recruiting class in the country, three McDonald's All-Americans, and not only are they kind of limping into March Madness, choking Big Ten tournament games away, but, hmm, all three of those guys don't even seem to be near an NBA draft lottery, let alone a lot of NBA mock drafts. So it's just, I just think things are funny. That, that's all. I just like to point out funny things because I, I'm observant and I want to share these things with you. Also around the Big Ten, uh, Iowa just did heinous things to Northwestern. I was not comfortable watching that game. That, was, that just seemed filthy. And then, uh, yeah, I'm not going you know, to lie to you. I don't know what happened tonight. I just wanted to take this time to just laugh at Michigan. So thank you for sitting through that. And we will be talking more about the rest of this weekend here for Michigan State, including the Wisconsin Game Selection Sunday. But first, just have to talk to you beautiful people about betonline.net. Woo! Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's that time of year again, as college basketball's tournament is finally upon us. For all the latest odds, contests, and player props, betonline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. BetOnline remains your best spot for all the sports scores, podcasts, and news this season, and it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. So head to the website today. Use your mobile device. Learn more about the trends in action at Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, well, hey, that was so much fun. Uh, what do you say we do that again? Same time, same place, but different opponent. How about a way better opponent as the uh, Big Ten co-champs Wisconsin Badgers? Yeah, they're going to be sitting there waiting for Michigan State tonight um, to see who gets to take on, most likely, Purdue in the semifinal on Saturday. Um... Listen, you guys know this. Wisconsin, they're, they're a good team. I know, I'm, I'm shocking a lot of you there. Uh, now, we, we know a lot about Wisconsin already, right? They, they have their big three. They have Brad Davison, you know, 11th year senior, steady Eddie, 14 points per game, does not turn the ball over much at all. Got Tyler Wall, really fluid, six foot nine. Uh, forward, uh, he ten of his last eleven games he scored in double figures, and yeah, just God, just su- such a calm, collected player out there. And then of course Johnny Davis, the Player of the Year in the Big Ten, just so good at getting precisely where he wants to be on the court with the ball in his hands. Uh, no better example of that than well, the last time these two teams faced off, as Johnny Davis just lit up Michigan State for twenty-five points on eight of eleven shooting. And most of that game, Christie was playing defense on him. And I got to say, I thought for the most part of that game, too, Christie's defense on him was probably as good as you could have hoped for, honestly. Um, but sometimes, well, yeah, when an NBA lottery talent just wants to do NBA lottery talent things, 25 points on 8 of 11 shooting just yeah, happens. Uh, guy, just, uh, yeah, Johnny Davis, different guy, man. Just so methodical. The game just seems like it's in slow motion for him. And yeah, so, and he will most likely be playing tonight. I know that he had to leave the final game of the regular season against Nebraska after a flagrant, flagrant foul uh, and dinged up his ankle there. But yeah, from all you know, accounts and quotes provided, uh, yeah, it sounds like he will be playing. Now, so we know that about Wisconsin, but... A kind of recent development ever since they've took taken on the Spartans is that maybe that big three is turning into a big four. As Chucky Hepburn 
yes, uh, uh, you know, one of Max Christie's fellow all freshman Big Ten teammates. He's been playing pretty good. And, I, you know, I know he's most famous for banking in that three-pointer late in the game against Purdue to win Wisconsin a share of the title. But, no, he's not just all, you know, kind of goofy banked three-pointers. Now, he's solid, especially the last 10 games. He is 37% from three in the last 10 games, and he's just a, a kid that's smart with the ball. You know, really short up, a minor turnover issue in the beginning of the year. And I say minor because it was never like a glaring problem, but it's just something that he was doing good, and he's gotten really better at. So, yeah, that's a great backcourt meet for Brad Davison. <sighs> yeah, and last time these two teams met, you know, th- those big four players that I just named, like, they all played great games, I think. Chucky Hepburn only had eight points, but Davison, Wall, Johnny Davis, they all had at least 11, well, including the 25 points that Davis scored. So, it also didn't help that Michigan State started the game with just two points in the first six minutes and 30 seconds, but, yeah, that was not a great game. Max Christie, uh, you know, he didn't shoot any threes. Tyson Walker didn't shoot any threes. Brown, Hauser and Hall, they combined for 2 of 10 from beyond the 3-point arc. So that's why my top key to the game here is 3-point shooting. You you cannot have a game where, just like last time these two teams met, that MSU goes 3 of 14 from behind the arc. Uh, Now, Wisconsin, on the other hand, on the other end of the court, they're not too good at shooting the 3-pointer. They have no starters on their team that shoot over 35% from 3 on the season as a whole. Uh, number two, key to the game, and, eh, you know, th- this is a combination of something that we just witnessed uh, against Maryland, and that's turnovers. A lot of turnovers. So many turnovers that I'm just ha- I having a thousand-yard stare in front of me. I don't know, really know what to say other than, yeah, this, this could be another issue against Wisconsin, especially if they want to press like Maryland did. I don't even care if you've never pressed before as a team all season. Like, if you just saw what Maryland did to Michigan State... Just cook up a quick press in the lab and just see where that takes you, for God's sakes. But no, on the other end, Wisconsin is one of the best teams in the country at limiting turnovers. Michigan State turns the ball over a little over 20% of their offensive possessions, which is which is the reason I drink. Um, and Wisconsin, on the other hand, just 12.8% of their possessions turn up in turnovers, which is, yeah, third best in the country. Last game, Michigan State just forced seven turnovers from the Badgers, so those rare times you do turn the ball over, turn those into points. And the last key to the game here is that, yeah, I'm going to be tapping on this guy again, and and that's Malik Hall. That Malik Hall-Tyler Wall matchup could very well be the case to see who's going to win this game. I'm resigned to the fact that Johnny Davis will get his. Uh, I have him penciled in for a good 24 points on, uh, we'll call it what, 8 of uh, 13 shooting, what we'll call it. Um, but yeah, that matchup right there, Tyler Wall, Malik Hall, two forwards that are pretty athletic, pretty good at getting to where they want to be. Fluid with the, I, I would say Tyler Wall's a lot more comfortable dribbling than Malik Hall, but nonetheless, both very talented in their own right. And yeah, two guys that average around 10 points on the season, so... If any of those guys can jump over that number, get into like the 12-point, 14, 16-point range, that will be a big one as well. And that's all I got to say for this game tonight. Uh, most likely, Michigan State, should they win, will be taking on Purdue. But right now, I just want to focus on Selection Sunday here. Now, right now, if Michigan State beats Wisconsin, they're probably still going to be an 8 seed, but maybe they'll be on the fringe for a 7 seed. 
Okay, you beat Purdue, let's say, going forward. Okay, now you're squarely on the seventh seed. And just like we talked about in yesterday's episode, unfortunately, it's really to the point now where you are going to have to be the tournament winner to get up to that sixth seed. And I say unfortunately because, like, again, I, I sound like a broken record player if you listen to yesterday's episode, but I think it's a really important point to ride into the weekend with before we hit Selection Sunday. And that's that I think... The difference between the one seeds this year and the two seeds this year are just so minimal that, to me, that there's eight one seeds, right? And unfortunately, where Michigan State's at right now is that they literally get the eight seed or a seven seed, perhaps, and that's it. You really got to go out of your mind here and win the whole thing to get up to that six seed. So you have the right to play a three seed in that second game. Now, again... I will say this, because I brought this up yesterday. I, I will look in the mirror and see and admit that I'm doing a very ridiculous exercise right now, and that's looking ahead to the second hypothetical game against a one seed or a two seed. Because, well, if Michigan State played like they did in the last 12 minutes tonight in that first round, uh, they'll probably be taking a 20-point loss to, I don't know, you know, San Diego State or uh, TCU, let's call it. So, yeah, but hey. You know what? It's March. It's the season for Dreamers. Let's talk about it. Let's see who we want to pop up on Selection Sunday and the other side of that sub-regional. The one seeds right now, and I'm going off of 131 Sports. If you never heard of them, go check them out. Some of the best bracketology year in and year out. Their one seeds right now are Gonzaga, Arizona, Baylor, Auburn. Not a lot of surprise there. The two seeds are Duke, Kentucky, Villanova, Kansas. Now a lot can shake up there. No doubt about it. There's still a lot of conference tournaments going on for all those teams except Gonzaga. But uh, what team, hypothetically, if I could just choose two of those teams that I want to see on Selection Sunday, uh, I guess, paired up against? Okay. My real answer is none of them because (laughs) it's just they're so good. But if I really had to pick one that I could talk myself into the evening of Selection Sunday, just let my dreaming mind wander into like a, oh yeah, we could beat those guys and go to a Sweet 16. My first would be Villanova. Okay, I I don't know why, and this is surely not going to come back to bite me, but I I just don't see it in the Big East this year. Seems like a really fluky year. Like, yeah, UConn, solid team. Michigan State beat them. Granted, a few months ago, but Providence won the conference. I don't necessarily know how much I'm buying into them. The middle of the Big East just I don't, isn't really doing it for me necessarily. Like Seton Hall, Xavier, like ugh. I don't know. Like so, yeah, give me Villanova or oh god, I just hate Pac-12 basketball so much, and I just have no respect for them whatsoever. And you know, it's not like this happened last year where we lost to a Pac-12 team in the tournament. But yeah, I guess Arizona. Why not? What the heck? Um, oh god, I oh, I don't want to see any of those guys pop up, but they will. And don't get me wrong, like, if Gonzaga pops up, like, I will be able to talk myself into a win by the time, like, the opening round tips off. Or if we match up against Auburn, yeah, I'll no doubt convince myself that we will beat them uh, by the time that that game ends up. But for, like, the quick half hour after Selection Sunday, yeah, those are probably the two teams that I could be like, yeah, all right. I think we have a chance there, but hey, that's uh, that's the beauty of March March Madness. And I might even do a segment next week of just send me your most delusional thoughts that you have thought this March Madness. Because like we've talked about all week, 
There's just something about the air in March that just makes me think like a crazy person. And I admit it, but hey, you know what? Uh, acceptance is the first step to recovery. Except one problem. I'm never going to recover from my craziness in March. So that makes that a moot point. Gang, what a trip that was this whole episode. And I, I cannot thank you guys enough for making Lockdown Spartans your first listen every single day. And even if this is just your first listen ever, uh, or if you know you just check in every other week or every month, cannot thank you enough for listening to this episode. I know that was a crazy game. I know we all got a ton of thoughts. I, I hope that uh, I was able to speak to something that was on your mind today. If I didn't, hit me up, LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com. That's always a bustling inbox these days because uh, sometimes after games, people just rant and type and send it to me, and I, I always love that. I don't always get to talk about the emails on air, but hey, I, I assure you that I'm reading your emails, um, and I appreciate every single one of them because, hey, I, just, I love every single one of you guys, so thank you so much. Once again, for making Locked On Spartans your first listen every single day. Now go make your second listen, Locked On NFL Draft, with Ryan Tracy, former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker. They are bringing the NFL Draft life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available where you get your podcast. Please enjoy the rest of the weekend, guys. Love you all. See you after Selection Sunday. Go Green.